Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast today. I hope you enjoy it. But first, I want to ask you a question. Are you someone who has high upside potential in your business and yet sometimes that goal is just hard to get to and maybe the only way you've seen to get to it is just to make more calls, you know, work harder? Well, if you're fed up with using old strategies to solve new problems, then I might have a solution. It's my five-day million-dollar seller challenge. We meet one hour a day in a coaching intensive where I will teach you five moves that you can make to scale your results without working harder. To learn more, click the link in the show notes or go to milliondollarsellerchallenge.com. As a professional, you need to take that investment and that time and see the value in continually upgrading your skills and you know joining a buddy system or having a professional group that you can, uh, in a judge-free, safe environment where you can figure out whatever works for you to try and get better at whatever it is that you need to work on. On today's episode of the Bill Kasky Podcast, I interview a person, a client actually, who is really successful in leading his team. He's going to talk about time blocking, personal branding, professional development, and how the difference in your success is you. Are you ready? Then brace yourself. Let's go. It's time for the Bill Kasky Podcast, a weekly show carefully crafted to help you grow your skills and your results in business. Now, here's your host, Bill Kasky. So I'm speaking today with Brian Good, and uh, Brian joins me from the great north, Canada. And Brian, are you there? Good morning, Bill. How are you? I'm good. It's good to have you on today. You know, as I said in the setup, I'm wanting to have people who I come across in a lot of my travels and a lot of my work who, who just kind of shine people who, who are successful in their own right. They're not the people who are in the limelight. They're not in the spotlight, but in their own world, they really do things right and they do them well. And so that, that's why I wanted to have you on because I've been really impressed with how you think, how you lead, you're a leader of a team or teams. Uh, So why don't you give us just a little glimpse of what you do now, and then we'll get into some of the lessons you've learned over your years of le- selling and of leading people. Yeah, thanks, Bill. It's an honor to be on uh, on your podcast. Yeah, so my current role is uh, I lead a uh, strategic account team uh, within our telecom company up here in Canada. We're one of the leaders, and um, I have a team that is focused on both selling and retaining existing customers that would be um, your FP2000 type organizations, so organizations with 1,500 or 2,000 employees and above. And so um, we're, we're tasked with doing everything that generally sales teams are doing from managing revenue, uh, driving new business, going higher and lower in accounts, and most importantly, um, uh, we're, we're there to serve, to educate, to be a resource for our customers, all with the intention of problem solving and bringing fresh ideas to help them run their business better. Well, that's uh, kind of the capsulized form of why I wanted to have you on, because I do think that you bring not only the revenue and the driving force of business, but also why are we doing this? What, what's this really about? What's our mission? When we get in front of a prospect or client, what are we there to do? And you said, bring ideas, solve problems, help them run their business better. How did you, how did you come to that realization that that was a better way to think than just the numbers? 
Um, well, it's a really good question. Uh, I've been selling for uh, just about 20 years now in the business, and um, I've had the benefit of learning and working with some amazing people over the years. And, you know, one of the things that I've always been told that's been um, uh, feedback with my leaders at the executive level is I'm typically a bit of a sponge. And so I'll take always try to take the good uh, of, of everybody because we all have things that we're good, better, best at, or, or things that we can improve on. And, you know, one of the things I learned very early on from a few of my mentors was that you, you got to observe on what people are good at and, and what people have weaknesses around. And then you got to create your own story, your own brand. And, and I take my brand both internally and externally with my customers or whether it's my personal life very seriously. And, and I think things that I hold uh, with the utmost respect would be things like being ethical, uh, genuinely, genuinely being helpful. Um, I'm a naturally curious person. And um, most importantly, in, in, uh, in, in my role back in leadership is, is really to help others get the best out of them um, and, and develop their careers and, and their aspirations uh, to where they want to be helpful to their customers. So that's, that's kind of where I, where I am today. Do you think that we we miss that? I'm not saying in your company, because, but I know you also see other businesses and talk to a lot of people. Do you think we, this whole helpful and curious thing, we make sales really difficult sometimes when it's really quite easy. It's how do you go out and be helpful and be a problem finder and a problem solver? And part of that is being curious about their business. That, that doesn't sound like it takes an MBA and, and 20 years of schooling to figure out. Why do you think we get, we forget, do we lose focus of that or do our leaders sometimes take, take us off focus and get back into the, uh, the spreadsheets and the numbers and the, and the results? What, what happens to get us off track? Yeah, well, I think a couple of things happen. It's an interesting question and it's one that I've uh, thought about quite a bit over the years. And, and I think, yes, two, two things is, is one is first off, you got to love what you want to do. Um, I'm a big believer that uh, you've, you've got one life, you've got one opportunity to be happy. And, and if you're in the business of trying to solve problems and uh, being helpful to people and to companies to drive process innovation or be aligned to what their priorities are to drive revenue or cut costs or just just drive efficiency across the organization, first and foremost, you got to still have that fire running in your belly to want to do that. So genuinely, you, you got to put the customer first. Yeah. It's, it's if they win, we win type mentality. So it's really a mindset thing, Bill. The second thing that I've observed is, yes, absolutely, is that companies nowadays, you think about uh, going through uh, 2008 financial crisis, uh, you think about uh, the pressure that public public companies have to uh, execute on their guidance that they have, it, it does sometimes bleed into uh, pressure on the people. But I, I think it's all how you perceive it. And you know, I'm a big believer that one of the ways that you manage that is first and foremost is that you need to be disciplined with your time. And, and as a sales professional, you're accountable for building your own funnel. So you, you need to be doing things consistently to ensure that you're, you're, you're not eroding margin in the last month of a, of a quarter or the last week of a quarter, that you've got enough in your pipeline that you've been proactively managing so you don't put yourself into those situations. You, you said something there that uh, reminded me that I'd like to get into a little bit of tactical stuff here for a moment because you said a couple of things there that sounded good, but then the question is, okay, how do I implement these things? So give me... 
Give me a couple of things that leaders, if, if you're a sales leader listening to the sales manager, VP, regional director, whatever, and you have people that report up through you and to you, Brian, give us a couple of tips on how a leader can best inspire their team to do these things you're talking about, which is changing their mindset and therefore changing the market. You have a couple of like hard and fast tips, things that you've found successful. Well, I think first and foremost is um, one of the things that I advocate is the, the, the one sustainable things across different economic, political, or, or industry changes is, is the continued focus on just continuous improvement. Never be satisfied with the status quo. Um, you know, some of the best attributes of the salespeople that I've worked with and, and currently work with, you know, I'm sure your, your listeners will, will resonate to, to, to nowadays having a really strong business acumen, um, is, is one of the things that stands out. Obviously, you gotta be likable. You gotta, you gotta be able to build relationships and build trust. Those are all, you know, pretty much table stakes in, you know, this day and age of professional selling, particularly in the B2B enterprise, enterprise segment. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think the thing that I always tend to focus back on is I'm really big on professional development. And, and I, I, you know, there's a saying, I always say the best investment is always in yourself. And sometimes what happens is salespeople, sales leaders, sales executives is we tend to not prioritize professional development as high as making the numbers. And if, if, if you, I think it's the only sustainable thing that as a sales professional in this day and age, and I use the word professional, not amateur, professional, that you can go back on and continue to spend time to block, to time block each and every week or each and every day in small segments, uh, whether it's different subjects or different areas that you have weaknesses in or that are changes in your business or in your industry, you know, sustainability around professional development and having a mindset of always trying to get better is my personal belief that it's the one sustainable thing to driving success consistently, not one year blips here and there is consistent success over long periods of time. Yeah, I think the uh, the key word there, the key sentence is that we are worth investing in. And that's what I find a lot of times when people come to me and they either want to want to join one of my programs or they want to buy a course or a program or something. Sometimes and, and sometimes it's not the money, it's it's other things. But a lot of times it's it's the money. And I think it gets back to this deeper seated emotion of, am I worth it? Am I worth investing in myself? Am I worth investing five grand or 10 grand or a or hundred dollars even? I don't know what stops. I'm trying to figure out what that, what the source of that emotion is, because then I, I sometimes can help people through it. But I think a lot of times it gets back to, we don't read books and we don't spend the money on courses because we just don't feel like we're worth it. And that's a very sad thing because we have so much potential bottled up in us that is waiting to express itself in different ways. And I think this professional development you talk about, which of course we're big into, releases it. You know, that professional just releases that potential. It's like a, it just like fires it out. But if we don't do it and we don't read and we don't listen, we don't consume and we don't get coaching, we just die with it. We die with it in us. And that's, uh, so what, what do you think? I bet it's pretty dire, macabre thing, but what do you think about that? Is that doesn't it, don't you find it releases that potential in us? I, I couldn't agree more, Bill. You know, I think one of my observation over the years, and, and I'm sure most of your listeners have experienced this as well, is, is companies make major investments in training programs or training methodologies and 
and I've been so fortunate to take six or seven of probably some of the leading ones. And, and, and while they're all not perfect, there's so many great things that have come about it. But, you know, my observation though, as salespeople is to kind of have that mindset of you can't just rely on your company to provide the training and development. You are a professional. And in this day and age uh, where, you know, the commoditization of so many products and services, the difference is really you. And it, and it's, and it's based upon the quality of the discussion you have with customers, your brand and what, what kind of, uh, are, are you coming across as being helpful and genuine, with genuine intent? Um, and, and things about, I talk about storytelling with my team quite a bit, but it's, it's so important in this day and age in a, in a minute or less to be able to tell your, your story or your company story or, and most importantly, it's aligned to, solving customer problems or top challenges in the industry, you know, as an industry expert. And, and then the outcomes that we as an organization or you as a sales professional are attempting to deliver. And so basically the message is that you can't rely on your company to always supply, whether it's product or professional development training. You need to take, as a professional, you need to take that investment and that time and see the value and continually upgrading your skills and, you know, joining a buddy system or having a professional group that you can, uh, in a judge-free, safe environment where you can figure out whatever works for you to try and get better at whatever it is that you need to work on. We're speaking today, by the way, with Brian Good, who's a sales director slash manager slash really good leader up in Canada in the telecom and IT business. As I said earlier, I'm, I'm trying to highlight some people that I feel like really bring extreme value to my audience. So it's, it's not always going to be authors and composers and creatives. Sometimes it's just people who are damn good at what they do. You mentioned brand. I think this concept of brand gets a lot of, there's a lot of obscurity to it and a lot of confusion around it. If you're uh, being a sales leader today who has really developed your own brand, and again, by brand, we're not talking about color schemes and photo shoots. I mean, although that may be part of it. So explain brand to me the way you would explain it. And then if I'm a sales leader listening or a salesperson, but how, how would you go about starting to establish your brand in the B2B market? Well, I would just define your brand as how do you make people feel? Whether it's a new customer, whether it's a person on your team as a sales leader or a cross-functional shared resource or a client that you worked with, you know, many years ago. I think the key thing is, is it's not what you say and it's not what your picture looks like on a, on a social media uh, website or anything. It's, it's how you make people feel and what they remember of you. You know, if you think about professional sports, I think professional selling nowadays is very much like professional sports. Everything from being prepared to, you know, rehearsing or practicing before that initial meeting or that big presentation that's coming up, or even that internal review that you, you know, you have to sell internally on why we should invest in a certain customer. I think being, having, first off, having some awareness of the importance of your personal brand, both internally and externally, that's table stakes nowadays. I, I did a survey a couple of years ago of uh, CIOs, and those are typical uh, individuals uh, that we would work with in, in, uh, in the line of work that I do. And out of 29 CIOs that were responded to my survey, all of them, but two, said they never call back new vendors that they've never done business with. And so what it screams to me is that the ability to leverage previous relationships or people within your network or people that you've done business with in the past or 
that would be comfortable with recommending you to the right people that you sell to. So personal brand becomes so important. If they remember 10, 12 years ago that, you know, they really felt that you were trying to be, that you were trying to sell them really hard or that you maybe you didn't follow up or follow through or you you didn't pay as much attention to them, Bill, which, you know, after you got the deal, which is pretty common in a lot of businesses nowadays, there's a lot of tension uh, beforehand. And then once you get the deal, you never hear from someone or you only hear from them when there's an opportunity on the table. Yeah, that's... That's something, you know, that that if you're a professional in this day and age, you have to be really aware of your brand and and, and what you're trying to, if, if someone was to say in, you know, a few words or less what they thought of you, I hope that they would strive to say the same thing 15, 20 years ago as they do today, mm-hmm. the people, because if you're in it for the long term and you're in it in a specific industry, it's a small industry at the end of the day. And, uh, and I think it's so important to highlight and to and to for people to make that investment and in understanding on on their personal brand. You know, you mentioned the the brand uh, is not just the external brand, external to the world, but it's also internal inside your company. I have a new client that I just started with about two months ago. I was down at their national sales meeting and watched the the VP of sales deliver kind of the plan for the year. This was February. So everybody was looking forward to seeing the plan and what we were going to do, what they were going to do and all that. And this sales VP had meticulously designed the slides to make it interesting and compelling and the color schemes. I mean, it was just, and I even looked at it and said, and, it, and he's, he's a guy's guy. So it's not, it's not like he has a design background, but he said, look, the reason I take time with this is because this is important stuff. I could just put 17 bullets on a slide all with the same color, black on white. But my this business is worth more than that. And I thought, God, that's so, so good to think about is when you do a slideshow internally, and I know we all love the PowerPoints or the keynotes, do you really pay special attention to how is this going to be consumed? What's the experience that I'm going to give my people? Because the difference between an awesome experience and a a lousy experience might be 15 minutes. I mean, we're not talking about you have to go out and spend $30,000 on a slide presentation. There's plenty of templates you can use. and There's plenty of ideas floating around that you could tap into. So that's an example, I think, of what you, I suspect you're talking about is everything you do, it reflects your brand, doesn't it? Absolutely, Bill. And that's a great story to share with the listeners. Like uh, on my team in particular, we're paying particular attention to just how we write emails, how we write emails. Are they too long? Are they too short? What's the subject line look like? In our voice communication internally on when we're storytelling or when we're uh, uh, positioning an internal business case on, on how we should invest, you know, there's credibility with people that are deciding within internal stakeholders, whether or not you've got a past track record, or if you don't know the answer, you know, just say you don't know the answer, but you, you've got an action plan to address mm-hmm. it. And it's so important on, on how people formulate their, their image of you and, and in turn, obviously your brand. So I couldn't agree more, Bill, that that story you just shared. I see the same thing. And just, it goes back to being prepared, practicing, taking the kind of consideration of being a professional to deliver that message or have that image of that executive that you shared with that clearly wants their salespeople to know that there was effort put into that presentation ahead of time. It wasn't just a couple of bullets and winging it. I think one of the things that I hear a lot is this minimum viable product 
and MVP. And I, I know, I know where it comes from. It comes from the idea that, well, let's do the minimum we can to get the product out in the market and then we'll tweak and we'll improve. And I, I think there's a lot of truth to that, but sometimes I think people take the minimum viable product and they, they translate it into, to the minimum viable effort. How can I just get by with the, with the least effort on this? And I'm just going to use the PowerPoint thing. How can I get by with the least effort? Do they really need to, do the fonts really need to match? I mean, do the real, does the PowerPoints really need to be read? I mean, I'm going to hand the damn thing out anyway. Do they really need to be read on the screen? It's, it's the minimum viable effort. And I think that's a terrible way to infuse anything you do with a customer experience is to think about what's the least I can get by with here, which I know we're all busy and we're looking yeah. for hacks and to cut corners. But yeah, no, Bill, I, what I would say is that that's, that that's pretty prevalent um, that we see. And, and frankly, feedback we receive from clients as well with vendors that, that uh, we go up against. And I think it really comes back to prioritizing your time. If you think about most people when they get up in the day, you know, nowadays with uh, PDAs or smartphones, virtually almost most every company has, what do people do? They typically have their smartphone right beside them at the bed. They're checking email. They're checking voicemail. And, and I, I'm chal- I challenge my team and I challenge myself, frankly, is to, to rethink what your day looks like and, and prioritizing those high impact areas, which is typically, you know, where do we need to focus the most? It's on getting the maximum return of generating revenue opportunities, uh, increasing relationships. You know, I, I advocate for my team to go sit on investors' calls to learn about their company so we can have better conversations or send better emails um, or, or just be better prepared. So, you know, Bill, just to, with what you just said, you know, I think it comes down to time blocking. It's a concept that uh, a lot of my team and people that I come across haven't really uh, had a lot of experience with. And we're trying to do it a little bit more in, in uh, smaller doses with my team. And just really, if, if I could sum it up for the listeners, it's really about evaluating your, your time. If, you, if you're only spending 15, 20% of your time on high impact things, and I would define high impact activity as business development activity, research, uh, preparation, professional development, and areas that you need to get better. You just made some minor shifts in your day or in your week or your month. If you can do that, it has a measurable positive impact to the result of, of, of your performance versus getting up, doing the standard thing of uh, checking email, checking voicemail, yeah. uh, doing some things that are the easy, the easy things to do, right? Well, we get sucked into that. We get so sucked into that. And so you're just saying being more, be more intentional about how you spend the, the, the high pay time that you have. Just be conscious. First off, just be conscious of it and then be intentional about planning and, and using your time wisely. That's great. Brian, good. I have really enjoyed today. You've uh, been a great guest. Thanks, Bill. Well, I hope, uh, hope uh, some tips were a little helpful for your users. And, and as, as, a, as a listener as well, I, you know, my, my sense is I'm sure there's lots that I can t- continue to learn in my team and such. So I really appreciate you uh, wanting to have me share some ideas with, with your listener group. Awesome. Thanks, Brian. Good. I uh, appreciate you being on today and we will talk to you soon. If you want more Caskey, go to BillCaskey.com and you can get on his list or set up a time to speak live. And make sure you share this episode with your tribe too.